This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lotter-Janderson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspectives. It's an open topic day, so we're looking for your calls and emails on your personal finance issues. Plus, we'll talk about rent or buy, which is better. We'll explore the pros and cons of both. The number to call with a question or a comment about renting or buying is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you uh, had a good weekend. Good morning. Yes. Good, good morning. Quiet. A uh, bit of rain at my house. We were very happy. My little garden's uh, a little happier now, so um, that's a good thing. You know, we were out last week. Um, I took off a whole week. We were at the Shelby County Fair and oh. took it all in. And uh, I've never was, um, understood it. Never understood um, it. It's a it's a family thing. And um, my wife hadn't missed one in I guess fifty going on fifty years, right wow. at fifty years now. So she, it's a family. It's it's fun. Get away, hot and sweaty. But well, you get also, to see everybody. That's you get the great to see people. Yeah. And um, it's, it's like I said, you can do what you want to or do nothing. So. Do you, does your wife's family have the on the square? Yeah, there? they've got a little cabin over there, and um, and uh, they enjoy it and go over there. Even even to go over there before the the fair song. But what did you the, eat? That's the big thing. Well, I, you know, honestly, I, uh, I, that was kind of a goal of mine to kind of do a little bit better job because um, <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, fried chicken. I, uh, no, no fried chicken. Oh, but but that's I'm just disappointing. But I'm you know historically, um, you know, you're not going to go hungry. Let's just say it like that. <laughs> At all, um, so uh, but it was fun. It was it was um, uh, yeah. It's always activities going on. So did you watch the illegal legal horse racing? Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I no, I didn't get over to watch that. I, I did um, uh, I did kind of just more or less stay around the cabin, relax a little bit, visit with 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 people, and um, uh, but uh, usually I get out more. But I just kind of decided I'm gonna lay low, relax, and um, enjoy. Do you have air conditioning in your cabin? Yes. We have oh, air conditioning, and um, uh, you know some of the cabins they'll they'll sleep thirty or forty people, and some will sleep ten or twelve. So, you know, there's a lot of love going on in those cabins when you got that many people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> I went once years ago. A friend of mine uh, had a family who had a cabin, so I I was just up there kind of for the afternoon though. So, uh, and if I, I don't know if it's still that way, but I remember the year we went, it was actually a harness racing where the yeah the jockey sits in the little thing and uh, buggy yeah yeah. So that was interesting. So yeah, I mean that certainly is a, a, a well-known Mississippi tradition, and uh, it often attracts, as it did this year, uh, national political figures. Donald Trump Jr. I think mentioned that he went by the the Manning's cabin. So uh, a lot of interesting things going on there, and of course the, a lot of <clears throat> uh, state uh, politicians uh, sp- spoke there uh, this this or this past weekend as well. So it's uh, it, it certainly is a, a fine Mississippi tradition. So, uh, Nancy, what about uh, some financial news? Well, several things. Um, the first is that markets just keep rolling. and uh, But with that, we're having some tepid economic news. So we've got numbers on the GDP, which shows very low growth. I believe it was 1.2%. When you dig into that number, what you see, which is what I'm seeing out there, is an increase in consumer spending of over 4%. So will that cause us to bounce back? The big thing that we're paying attention to this week, the first 
Friday of every new month is the information on employment. So we'll have two pieces of information. We'll have the jobs created last month in July and the official unemployment rate. So those will be two very important pieces of information to look at to see how we're going to perform in this next quarter. All right. Very good. we got an open topic day today. So again, if you have any kind of personal finance issue that you would like uh, to get some advice on, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Or you can send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. Also this morning, we'll talk about buying or renting, which seems to be the better option. And I think it might uh, sort of depend on your circumstances in life. But uh, if you have some experience, some opinions on whether it's better to rent or buy, you can give us a call as well and share those opinions. Again, the number is one mpb ring Our producer, Sam Wells, found an article from CNN.com slash money that talks about this. It, uh, it, it describes a woman who lives in uh, Pensacola and uh, pretty much... Uh, is left with about $42 a month after she pays her rent, her power, her phone bill. Uh, and so um, she is often late uh, uh, with her rent. Uh, the article points out that a recent report from Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Study showed that 11 million people are spending more than half their income on rent. So that's why uh, we're going to be talking about this today, renting versus buying. Um, maybe some input from uh, both of you. Uh, what do you think... Uh, should be some things to consider when you when you uh, make the decision. Um, you know, when you're renting or buying, just I think, do I want to be an owner? Do I want to own property? Do I want to deal with it? It's because it's all yours. If you buy it, it's your baby. And, um, you know, do I have the resources to support it? Um, do I have the resources to uh, update, fix uh, when things break? Um, you know, and I... A lot of people, as a young person starting out, and I'm kind of backing up here a little bit, um, you know, I rented a little place. Uh, I didn't have to worry about anything getting repaired. Um, um, and it just it just felt a little bit less. It was basically, less, in a way, less responsibility. Um, now, I'm going to go back to this one, but what you just read there, like the, uh, over 50% of the bring-home incomes going out to rent, honestly, that's too high. And I'm playing, I'm playing percentages here. Kind of in the mortgage world, if you buy a house, they kind of want you maybe your house payment around 29%. And now, now they go off gross a lot of times, and it could be it could, So could that's not off of your take-home pay? But no, but, okay. but I'm saying if you take-home pay, if you said, look, just looking at it and said, okay, for renting only or buying, if you said, well, I'm going to look at about 30% of my take-home pay. Now, that's pushing it. I'm going to be honest with you. That's really pushing it kind of in the world today. But that's maybe a, a little bit better, more conservative um, guideline to work with. So, but if you're 50 percent where the house payment, which you, you've had to build up some debt to do that, but at renting 50 percent, that honestly, that's just it, the numbers. Uh, unless you're really frugal, I mean, you got to be really frugal. It might work, but the numbers just don't work. And again, in this case, uh, the woman in the CNN article with only 42 dollars, you know, each month to kind of live off of. That's a thing. And, and Nancy, I think that would be a way where you might get in this vicious cycle of you're constantly trying to catch up. Well, there's no question about that. But what's interesting about this entire conversation, when you look at the numbers, we know that homeownership has dropped to a very low level. Now, some would say, oh, that's because people can't afford to buy a house. But 
in this interest rate environment, I'm not sure that's the case. What we're seeing is a change in attitudes towards home ownership. So for younger workers, they're opting to rent, especially if you're in a more urban setting. It gives you more mobility. And that was one of the problems in 2008 and 2009 because we lost jobs and people were stuck in homes then that they could not sell because of the real estate crisis. So they couldn't move to where the jobs were. So that's an issue. So for our younger workers, many of them are choosing just to rent. So you have to consider, um, do I need to be mobile? Then you also have to consider now you're going to have to have 20% as a down payment. That's a lot of money, especially with the median home prices we're facing somewhere in the 150 to 200, depending on where you live. And, um, and then you're locked in because you can't sell very quickly. Our real estate market is certainly healthier than it was just a couple of years ago, but it takes time. And so you have to consider all of those things and decide whether it's a good choice for you to just rent and be more mobile or to go ahead and invest in a home. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. It's an open topic day, so we're looking for any personal finance questions that you have. If you have something about uh, investing, maybe saving for retirement, buying a house or uh, renting as we're talking about this morning, uh, give us a call. The phone lines are open at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. And again, if you've uh, gone through the rent or buy uh, process and you've uh, come up with something, uh, we'd love to hear from you, sort of get uh, your thoughts on your uh, how you went through that, what was your uh, thought process as you made that decision. Uh, I guess uh, age is a factor. I would think that maybe, and I don't know, maybe this is changing too, but I would think maybe younger people tend to rent more and uh, as uh, as people settle down, maybe establish families, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe they're looking for a little bit more permanency, less mobility, and so the the house, uh, buying a house, might be something that older people are more likely to do. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, you know, some people are have they lived in a house for many, many, many years, and they're saying, "Look, I don't want to um, uh, deal with the upkeep. I'm going back to my grandmother. I lived up in North Mississippi, had a house, they had an acre of land, uh, just the upkeep." And dealing with everything years ago, she just said, "Look, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with all this." So, you know, she sold it and moved into um, uh, into into town. Lived in an apartment right close to downtown and loved it. It was great, you know. And it didn't really bother her that you know I'm renting, but you know, dealing with acre of land and and upkeep, uh, it just it was just it was just removing those things and. And it worked for her. So, you know, at that age, and again, I think younger people, you're in there, there, as you said earlier, just while ago, Kevin, when getting married, then you start moving into kids. Maybe it makes a little bit more sense. So let me buy a house and let me start settling in. But from a standpoint of renting on the front end, uh, with availability of uh, renting a house or apartment, I think, yeah, I think people are a little bit more comfortable with doing it and, and not really saying I'm throwing money down, but I'm I'm keeping them um, flexible. I can stay flexible and with the job turnovers and uh it's just maybe just kind of the way it is now. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we will continue uh talking about buying or renting and also looking for your personal finance questions. Again, got some open phone lines. A chance for you to uh, decide whatever uh, the topic is for today. It's on your mind, so give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. You can always email the show money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. 
Support for MPB comes from Kyle Wynn & Associates, an elder law firm with offices in Ridgeland, Diamond Head, and Hernando, assisting clients throughout the state with estate planning, including trusts, avoidance of probate, and nursing home asset protection. Details at kyle-wynn.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford and Nancy Lotridge-Anderson. It's an open topic day, so we're looking for your personal finance questions. Also, we're talking about renting or buying, uh, which seems to be the better option. Uh, so if you have a question or a thought on the topic there, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. Uh, we are having a little friendly competition here at MPB Think Radio. You just uh, might have heard the uh, promo during the break uh, for uh, the uh, podcasts. We're now uh, doing that, and we're, you know, it's, like I said, a little friendly competition. See which uh, local program has the most uh, podcast downloads. So if you're a fan of the show, might be a good way to do it. That way you can always refer back to something that we talked about, or if you miss us on a Tuesday morning, uh, you can listen to the podcast and you can zip us up. I think our producer... Sam Wells mentioned that we are number three on the list, so uh, we uh, help us uh, push to the top there, if you would, uh, and uh, and help us out with the podcast. Got a caller on the line, so let's invite Becky, who's called in from Meridian, into the program. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. What do you have for us? Uh, I have a, my favorite quote about the Neshoba County Fair, since y'all were talking about that earlier. Okay. And I do have a question about uh, buying a condo versus buying a home, a house. Um, so my Neshoba County Fair quote uh, comes from an article that was in the Oxford American magazine that John Grisham, I believe, started several years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he sent reporters and photographers to the fair, and there was a gentleman who, among them who had was from Mississippi but had never been to the fair before, and he walked on to Founders Square, and he said, wow, this is always as I imagined hell would be. It's hot, <laughs> I'm thirsty, and everybody I know is here. <laughs> Thanks for the laugh for the morning. <laughs> You're welcome. I love that quote. <laughs> okay, and so my question is, if we were going to buy a, a, you know, a vacation home, a second home, uh, what are your thoughts, and I'm going to hang up, but uh, what are your thoughts of buying a condo that has HOA fees but would be kept up and, and that you could rent out versus buying, a, you know, a standalone house that did not have HOA fees that probably is less attractive to renting out, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to hang up and listen. Well, I think you first have to um, ask about rental history. If you are looking at existing properties, if they've been on the rental market, you can look at their history. And if you can look at a particular house versus a particular condo and see which rents more. Often people like to be in a development where they have other amenities, a swimming pool, very close to the beach, for instance, um, all kinds of 
other things, workout rooms. But if you have a house that's in a neighborhood that offers those things, they might find those attractive too. So you really have to look at the rental history. Consider those HOA fees because in a condo association, they are a huge part of the cost of ownership. So you need to add those to the to the price of your mortgage. The other thing that you're going to run into if you are in a beach area, and we certainly saw this with storms coming through in South Alabama and in Florida, and if that condo is damaged, then whether or not your unit is damaged, you then have to kick in for repairs. So that's something else to consider, um, looking at the insurance cost of repairs under those situations. So if the rental is important to you, maybe you're going to land on the condo because of uh, higher turnover. Um, If you are more interested in a place that you're going to use, you might land on the house. Uh, Just a quick follow-up there, Uh, Nancy. Again, uh, my brother lives in a place where it's a, a homeowner's association, a condo, uh, and he was pointing out that one of the, his neighbors is a guy that is sort of um, independent and uh, likes to do things on his own and that sort of thing. And he wondered why he chose there because, for instance, he lives – my brother's unit is in the E building, which has, I think, eight units in it. Mm-hmm. And so everybody decides – I mean, it needs to be painted the same color, right. that sort of thing. So there are some group decisions, as you pointed out, that you have to make when you're in that setting where if if that's something that bothers you and you are someone who – prefers to do things on your own and make decisions on your own like that, then maybe, uh, you know, you would go another way. But that's certainly something to consider about that, you know, you are in a little bit of a little community there uh, that has some guidelines and some a way of doing things. And the other thing I would say is you also have to consider not just the rental history. Remember, when you're talking about investment, you're talking about what cash comes back to me while I own this piece of property that's going to be that rental income. And then you have to consider the resale. So what can I expect? And often it's, you know, it may be faster to sell uh, a standalone home versus a condo. There's some other issues that come up into play. So you might be able to get more rent in the meantime, but if you can't get your money back out of it, that's a problem too. Uh, we got another caller on the line. It's Paul in Brookhaven who looks like he wants to join in on this uh, conversation. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. What do you have for us? Um Years ago, uh, when I married my wife, uh, she and her former husband had a condo. I think it was uh, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and she ended up with it, and we practically had to give it away. The market wasn't very good, and we made a decision at that point. Uh, We like to take vacations, and uh, a lot of our friends, sure, a lot of your friends, too, have invested in condos either in, uh, you know, Destin or in uh, the Alabama Gulf Coast, uh, which is fine, uh, but what that means is unless it's a timeshare, you basically take your vacation in the same place every time, and the hurricanes come through. You got to deal with that. Salt water is rough on everything. So we made the decision that we would save our money and we would take vacations where other people have invested in properties, uh, because uh, and we've discovered the out islands of the Bahamas, which is a lovely place to go. A, a lot of people, including a lot of Americans, have have gone out there, saw that it was beautiful, uh, built some some cottages on some empty beaches. Uh, we can go out there and we can rent a, a, a really nice private cottage on a private beach for eleven, twelve hundred dollars a week. And uh, we've been to uh, 20 different places. We're not locked in every year to go to our condo. We can go wherever we want to. And we let these poor owners worry about the off-season hurricanes and the rusting and the corrosion. And we find that not owning 
allows and it frees us up to to take a vacation wherever we want to. So that was my comment. I think that's an excellent point, and um, you have to decide where you want to land. My husband and I own some vacation property, and uh, so for us, it was that that conversation about how much will we use this and that has to be part of the equation you have to understand that once you do that you're committing to go there and spend time there and make use of that uh, in order to get your money out of it but uh, I think Paul brings up a good uh, thought there that, that idea of you know a different place every every season and uh, certainly there are that's a, a good market. and you're only out that week's rental right right uh, thanks for the call, Paul. Good good points there. Uh, it's an open topic day, so we're looking for your, for your personal finance questions. We've got some open phone lines at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 We're also talking about renting or buying. Which do you think is the preferred way to go? You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org, and we do have an email here. Uh, it says, we plan on selling our house in two to three years as my job will be moving. Should I put the money into our current home to update it, kitchens and baths, or sell it like it is, dated but livable? Also, should I refinance with the interest rates being so low, even though I'd only be there for a short time? Finally, who do I talk to about a VA loan? So a couple of questions there. Um, Oh, a lot of questions there. Yeah. Um, The first is, let's start with refinance. Uh, Rates are very, very low. And, um, and it's amazing to me they've gone lower in the last couple of years. So what you have to do is do the math. Two to three years may be enough for you to make up the cost of refinancing. So there is going to be a cost, and you find out what that is on the front end. And then you look at the difference in your payment before versus after. And let's suppose that the cost is $2,400, but you're going to save $200 a month, mm-hmm. then in a year, you're making back that cost. So if you're going to stay there at least a year, it's better to go ahead and refi. So that's one issue on the front end. Um, the other is on the VA, then um, I, I think if you talk to a real estate agent and they will direct you to folks who will help you with that, if you are a former military or current military, you will qualify for a VA loan. There are some guidelines based on your location, and generally the rates on a VA loan are a little bit lower. Um, I forget. I think it's like maybe three-eighths of a percent lower is, is about average right now than what you'll see on a regular rate. So it's worth it to go that route. And a VA loan does not require any down payment. That's the other big advantage there. What was the other question? Um, um, putting remodel. money into a, a what house. What do you think? Uh, I, I would, you know, I think you get, ooh, that gets kind of, I mean, especially if you're moving in two to three years, um, I think maybe talk to a realtor. Um, maybe if you've got a friend or two that might, Know an appraiser, just to ask some basic questions about updating in that market. Um, I don't know if you got somebody that's a friend of yours talking about interior designer. I don't know, Nancy. But, I mean, just, I think it depends on the market. Yeah. So I mean, you have to look at, and you can, you know, it's so easy now with Zillow and Realtor.com. Mm. So you can look at your competition. Uh, what are the houses like around you? Look at the interior pictures. What are, How are they priced? And how does your house compare? Because you're always thinking about if I put my house on the market today, how quickly can it will it move and how will it compare to what else is being offered out there? The market is much better, but you still have to put a good face on your product. 
And um, I think if you're going to talk to interior designers or you're going to talk to real estate agents, you're going to tell they're going to tell you that where you put your money is in the kitchens and the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And then smaller amounts of money doesn't require as much to just to do some some facelift type things, painting, um, cleaning up your landscaping outside, making it look good from the exterior. Those things don't cost as much, but the real cost comes in with kitchens and bathroom redos and you have to consider how much will you benefit from it and how much will you get out of it Uh, again with my oldest brother personal experience just sold his house and i think another thing to think about uh with remodeling is you you don't want to do anything that's somewhat out of the ordinary i mean you don't want to get too exotic or whatever because again you might like that i mean i mean you may like it but especially when you're talking about choosing colors Mm -hmm. um you know, a color on a wall is not that big of a deal, but um, a color on a countertop or a tile or flooring, that's going to make a di- big difference. It, it needs to be neutral and the most acceptable choice for the most people out there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I could be, I could kind of be out, out of line here a little bit, but I, I'm just going to tell you what I think. You know, if you're got a home eighty to a hundred thousand dollars, don't put a fifty thousand dollar kitchen and bath in it and think it's gonna to go to one fifty or one sixty when the market around exactly. you is at one twenty. So, you know, um, you know, uh, that's where go go to the folks out there, ask well, a lot of questions, get some good information and do your research. And it comes back to you you need to remember, and this is where people get their emotions tied up in this. Yes, this is where you live, but it's an investment. And so you have to think about um what you're going to get out of it, whether it's, as we've talked about, rent before or when you sell it, um, and uh, versus what you put into it. And so be very careful about not over-investing. Be careful about your choices so that you can get your money back out. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Time for another quick break. Uh, today, it's an open topic day. We're looking for your personal finance questions uh, on any topic. We could uh, give you some advice if you'll give us a call. Also, we're talking about renting or buying, which is better. So if you've had some experience and would like to share that experience with us, give us a call. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one 672 7464 or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. More money talks after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, joined by Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for ClearPoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of new perspectives. Do you have a personal finance question this morning? It's an open topic day, so whatever you'd like to uh, find out about, we should be able to give you some assistance. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two 
7464. You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org. In addition to taking those questions, we have been talking about renting versus buying. Uh, try to do the pros and cons of both. We've talked about uh, that um, age is a little bit of a factor, and uh, you know there are some pros and cons to both renting and buying. Uh, the spark for this was an article from cnn.com slash money uh, that uh, talks about a recent report from Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Studies that's showing 11 million people spending more than half their income on rent. And so that certainly is uh, an, an issue. And then the uh, the woman that featured in the article uh, left with only $42 to uh, after paying rent and other bills uh, to stretch to her next paycheck. Although we were chatting a little bit off off air, one of the other things I thought was interesting in this article, she says that rent would be a little cheaper moving to the other side of town, but that means forcing her son to change schools, doubling her commute time, and moving to an area she doesn't consider as safe. You know, I, and again, sort of just those three um, reasons, uh, to, to me, you know, sorry that you've doubled your commute time, but I mean, I, to me, that's the, the weakest reason of the two, of the three. I would say... Uh, you know, safety obviously is first, but, um, you know, sometimes you've got to maybe make that extra commute uh, if you can get into a more affordable place. So we're talking about um, renting. We've talked about maybe some of the the advantages being uh, you're more mobile. Um, Nancy, you mentioned you're not, you know, locked in to a, a house note and it's easy to move if you need to. Uh, certainly um, you, there are some maintenance uh, issues that you don't have to worry about. Uh, landlords take care of uh, things uh, that go wrong for the most part. Uh, any other um, rent pros that uh, come to mind? Well, I mean, if you, um, when I say renting, my mind jumps into apartments a lot. Uh, if you want people right around you, um, some people want, it could be, and you know, I'm being honest, it could be a single female that says, like, I don't want to rent a house, even though it's affordable, but I want people right next to me, some people I know, and uh, it could be the same thing for a male too, or or somebody with a child that says, look, you know, I, I can't find anything affordable to rent here, but I can rent it there, and kind of going back, maybe a little bit better situation when the child comes home, gets off the bus, I feel better than coming into the apartment here. And so, you know, everybody's got to look at their situation and say, what makes sense? What's the best um, financial situation along with the best environment and all the uh, benefits of being here uh, that'll work for them. Well, I, I'm going to come back to what's interesting to me again, this change in attitude towards home ownership. And that is reflected in the rental rates versus the increase in values of uh, homes as they're resold. Usually you would think those two are quite together, but we're seeing rental rates are increasing because there is greater demand for rental property, whereas, yes, um, home values have increased, but not at the same rate. And so, again, we're back to lower home ownership. Um, we think some of that is a choice and a decision just to not plow so much money into one investment that is not very liquid and the ability to be more mobile. Um, I guess in some major cities there are rent control, but for the most part, the rate for renting an apartment is pretty much just whatever the, the market rate, will be. Market rate, yeah. yeah. So again, when you have more demand and your supply doesn't increase, that's going to cause your price to go up. Um, and I guess I think maybe uh, some other um, advantages of renting. Sometimes there's amenities in an in an apartment complex, a pool or something along those lines. We talked about. 
uh, maintenance um, for both the house and, and in the yard. You don't have to worry about that. Um, all right, so what's on that's the flip side then? Maybe what are some of the of the drawbacks of renting? And it's interesting to me, Chris, you know, you kind of mentioned the community idea being a, an advantage, but also it can be a disadvantage if you're someone that maybe doesn't like the fact that the neighbors upstairs play their stereo at, you know, three o'clock in the morning and, and stomp around or, or that sort of thing, or that the person that lives next to you is not maybe as neat as you are and there's a, a bug problem, that sort of thing. So uh, that could also maybe be considered a, a negative if you're someone that likes their space their personal space. Yeah, especially that neighbor that stomps around and plays the mute three and three o'clock in the morning. I would make sure they got a bug problem. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that's what you, you got doing your homework, asking some questions, and, and you know what? It's it's not going to be perfect. You could you could walk into buying a house or renting a house in a perfect situation, and then a year later, you know, things have changed. Um, yeah, you could run into a bad neighbor type situation. Uh, whether owning or, or renting, uh, you know, you just got to really think through it, what makes sense and still on the front end this, of this, especially if you're, you know, if you're renting financial, still if you're buying financial. And um, uh, again, it's it, it takes all, you know, you just got to go through, I think, just talk to people, ask questions about the neighborhood or and that's renting or buying. You know, who, who's next door to you? What about, what's your policy procedure, especially talking about renting? Um, even renting a house, the landlord, you got to ask questions. Have you ever had any problems here? You know, you know, sometimes even some people, well, I want to pull a crime report. You know, I'm being up front and, uh, you know, what's the closest grocery store to gasoline? Where do I work? And, and there, I'm not trying to make it a, like a overkill and everything, but just do your homework, try to ask the best questions. Talk to resources. I mean, get check out your resources. Uh, get referrals, and then try to come down to you know. Well, I like these four four uh, ideas. Get down to two. These are my two options, and then move forward. And um, it could be coming into a questionable situation because you could say finance. That's all I can do now. But then all of a sudden, it turns into be a great situation. So you, you just you just don't know. And I'd say, I guess maybe another drawback of renting is you're not necessarily throwing money away, but there's not any kind of Investment. Well, yeah, you you are, and and it comes back to um, whether you rent or you own and pay a mortgage. You have to have a place to live, right? So we all have to have a place to live, and um, if you make that choice a rental choice, then you're not building an investment. If you own a piece of property, every time you make that payment to live someplace, that is building equity or ownership in a house. And it's built. It's like it's like your own built-in investment program. It's just you know I'm every month I'm putting money into that house and I'm building how much I own, and so you're going to have something that automatically grows because of the payments that you make, and hopefully it automatically grows because the market is improving and the values in your area are improving, and so you get the advantage of that. And for most people who do buy, they find if they buy and live in a place for a while and then turn around and sell if they made a good decision and they're able to sell then they can take that and move on up to something that's even a little bit nicer and so um, we know that for most Americans their biggest investment is their home and if you're not doing that then you better be investing outside of that Uh, we've got another caller on the line so we go to Oxford say good morning to Chico who has a comment for us go ahead Chico 
Yeah, I just wanted to, to say about the, the young lady that called earlier about John Grisham starting the Oxford American. That was actually Mark Smirnoff who started the Oxford American with uh, his group that he had with him, uh, his group of uh, people that worked for free and just wanted the magazine to exist. And Mr. Grisham, the Grisham fellow, he was he was a later investor several issues in. And uh don't know if it would have been the best thing for make his money talk, but he, he was he didn't start it. Mark Smirnoff did. Thanks for correcting the record. All right. Appreciate the call. Uh, we need to take one final break this hour, so let's go ahead and do that now. When we get back, we'll continue looking for your personal finance questions. And also, we're talking about renting or buying, which seems to be the preferred way to go. We've got some open phone lines, and the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or you can send an email. It's money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more Money Talks after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell with Chris Burford and Nancy Lotridge-Anderson. It's an open topic day, and we've been talking about buying versus renting. Looks like we've got some questions on the line, some callers on the line, that is. So let's go to the phones, starting again in Hattiesburg. Grant has called in today. Good morning, Grant. Go ahead. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. Good. Uh, I just wanted to talk about renting versus uh, buying a house. Uh, My wife and I moved to Hattiesburg in 2007, and um, shortly thereafter, you know, the housing market fell out. But we were were actually renting at the time, and... um, I don't know, rent never seems to go down in Hattiesburg. It always seems to be going up. Uh, we started renting a small apartment just on the outskirts of uh, the University of Southern Mississippi. We started out paying roughly 450 a month, which was a great deal at the time. Uh, but within two years, it was up to $750 a month. Um, you know, and, and, and we immediately started looking for a home. Um, we purchased a home two years ago, and we're paying roughly a thousand dollars a month for our mortgage. So, I mean, you know, going from renting a, a two-bedroom apartment to owning a three-bedroom home for just a couple hundred dollars extra, it was well worth the uh, well worth the trouble to, to to move to owning instead of renting. And that points out this this um, rental market, and certainly if you're in a college town, mm-hmm. um, Hattiesburg, Oxford, Starkville, uh, other college towns, you do not see those rents decline. The demand is there. And that extra couple of hundred dollars a month that you added to your monthly payment is actually going back into your pocket because you're building at least that much probably every month in equity. Absolutely. 
All right, Grant, thanks for the call. Good call there. Let's uh, move on next. A personal finance question coming from Marie in Hattiesburg. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I'd like to know what is the best way to go about moving our 401k money. My husband and I are about to retire, and we have a couple of hundred thousand in our 401k. Um, Right now we have 54% in stocks, 41% in bonds, and uh, 5% in short term. Um, Once we retire, um, what would be the best way to go? Well, first, I I think that's a pretty good allocation for you. Um, I I would expect somebody at retirement to be somewhere in that 50-50 range. Now, the big question for you has to be, are you going to start drawing on it anytime soon? Typically, when people leave employment, whether it's retirement or changing jobs, it is a good idea to take your uh, 401k with you. Uh, For some people, if they want to take it to a new employer plan, you find out if that can be rolled over. For you at retirement, you need to roll it to an IRA. And the question is, where do you want to have that IRA? Well, you're already in what I would call a balanced account. So you might want to look at uh, a company like Vanguard. You might want to talk to an a local financial advisor about helping you roll that over and opening up a brokerage account that can still be around the same percentages in stocks versus fixed income. Um, But rolling it to an IRA often will give you a little bit more flexibility. I see a lot of people do that because even if they can leave it at the old employer with their company, then it gets a little bit difficult when you're trying to take money out, when you're trying to reach somebody and get them to help you. So I would say roll it to an IRA. Um, The big question you're going to have to pay attention to, though, the big caution here is your age. So some 401ks allow you to take money out without penalty at 55. If you roll to an IRA, the magic number is 59 and a half. So if you're in that age range, you need to go back and check your employer plan and see what the rules are. And if the rules are the lower 55, that's when you might leave it there at least until you turn 59 and a half. All right. Uh, thanks for the call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. A little bit of time left. If you can work in one final question, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. We've been talking throughout the hour about renting versus buying. We've been talk, trying to talk about some of the uh, the pros and cons of both. Um, what about a, a rent to own? Um, is that maybe some little bit of a happy medium? I guess in that case, you're. I don't know how does that work. Let me ask it that way. How long you rent until you've paid off the cost of well, the house? Well, it, it's a contractual agreement, and so. Um, If you have a landlord who wants to sell and maybe hasn't had a really good market just to sell it outright, uh, but is interested in you being the buyer, now my caution there is a a rent-to-own is usually one of those choices because you can't just sell it outright. Mm -hmm. You know, your your market may not be healthy enough. So you have to to make sure that this is a place that you want to stay for a while and you're willing to accept that. Um, and then you just sit down with the owner, and they're the ones that usually have to approach you and come up with the terms. How is this going to work? Over what period of time? What percentage of every monthly payment actually goes into the house versus still is considered rent? So it is all individual. 
Yeah, and, and I'm almost, you know, I hadn't heard about what I call lease purchase here in a while, but it's it, years ago out there in the housing market, it kind of popped up some, but you really need to know what you're doing when you get into that type of contract because basically you're renting up until you execute. There's a period of time, maybe you got three years, and a lot of consumers probably trying to, how do I get my credit score up where I can go borrow the money to pay for the house, but I, I want to make sure I'm in a contract to, that I can purchase this house because I really like it and, and all the other benefits that come along with it. But um, So you really need to make sure you maybe even get a, I'm going to be honest with you, get a lawyer to look at it if you're going to sign something like that. Because that's a good point there. You, as you said, you're kind of locking yourself into something for a number of years. See if we can work in at least one final call here. It goes to Paul in Madison. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm a retired federal employee, so I have a 401K in the federal government. Uh, in about two years, I'll have to start drawing some out. I, I don't need it. Uh, I keep getting statements indicating that I can draw X number of dollars a month, and that amount goes up. And based on how much is coming out, I will probably still grow that 401k and will end up with more money at the end of my life than I have when I turn 71 and a half. Uh, does that make sense? Well, those calculate, I'm not sure what percentage they're using. I will tell you, rule of thumb, if we want to draw and maintain the principal, we're going to use somewhere in the four, maybe uh, up to 6% range as far as drawing. So, I believe it is in that 4% plus range. Yeah, that's that's a pretty standard amount. And that's just to give you a guideline of what you can expect that pile of money to generate for you. And it's always helpful to understand that. That doesn't mean you always have to maintain the principal, but we do know that the last few of our few years of our lives, that's when we spin down most of that principle, you know, with, with our own care. And so that's why most people will limit that draw to that. Okay. So that, that answers my question. I am, my balance is my S&P 500 goes up more than my bonds. and I'm allowing that to happen. I would rather have more than 50% because I think there are enough years that I don't have to worry about the ups and downs. Well, and that's a good point because um, a lot of people think when they retire, it all has to be bonds and safe. But remember, it's lifetime money. All right, Paul, thanks for that call. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can find it at mpbonline.org slash moneytalks. Our show is produced by Sam Wells, and our call screener today was Jonas Adams. For Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Chris Burford, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. That's followed by Relatively Speaking at 11. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks. It's only on MPB Think Radio.